electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to help you make some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate, teach, put this whole thing in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Ever since last Friday, when Fed Chairman Jay Powell decided to ratchet up the rhetoric in his war on inflation, he's been pilloried for everything, including many things he has no control over whatsoever, like the trillions of dollars in spending that Congress has decided to authorize with good motives, but bad timing. Maybe that's part of the reason why the average just keep getting hit. The Dow falling 280 points, S&P declining 0.78%. NASDAQ actually edging down 0.56% at one point, much uglier. But I got to tell you, it is the house of pain out there. Now, there's a lot of good stuff in those spending bills. It's just that our overheated economy can't handle such a big influx of cash. But even members of the Black Lung No Rainbow Coalition have found things to like in the climate bill, almost facetiously dubbed the Inflation Reduction Act. Everyone knows our tunnels and bridges need some massive upgrades, too, and we desperately need to build up domestic semiconductor manufacturing. Unfortunately, all this spending makes Powell's job a lot more difficult. He can't control Congress. He can't authorize more immigration, which would solve the labor shortage. Because remember, it is a shortage of people to, that need to fill jobs. We, we don't have them. Now, I was hoping if the market got hit hard enough, we could have a December 2018 moment where Powell stopped his aggressive rate hikes after he realized that inflation was under control. But this is not 2018. Sure, we're enjoying a major uh, collapse in so many important commodities. There's more availability for pretty much everything. And the only real sticking point these days comes down to parts stuck in China or labor shortages that were hard to see coming or certain spikes in periodic breaks in oil. Powell's making real progress, but he's still got a long way to go. Yet I keep hearing that Powell is so far behind the curve that he now has to throw us into a nasty recession in order to beat inflation. The bears... They say he has to raise interest rates to 4 to 5%, and they think it's all his fault. If he'd acted earlier, maybe he wouldn't have to bring the pain right now. 
To me, that's a total false narrative. I think these guys are missing the point entirely. That's why tonight I want to walk you through Jay's secret playbook, or at least my interpretation of a secret playbook, because I don't think he really has one. So you know where we need to see before he'll stop tightening. Maybe just consider this to be Kramer's version if he were pal. That way it's uh, maybe softer and nicer to pal. Parents, I want you to hold your children's ears. This is a little too graphic. Needs one of those disclaimers, like those who can't handle the word layoffs should turn off their TV set. There are a lot of trigger words coming. First off, pals most worried about wage inflation because it spreads to the whole economy like wildfire. And that means he wants to see an end to the incessant job hopping. Job hopping is really the operative term here. How does he do that? People will stop job hopping once they start fearing that they won't be able to find a new job to hop to. In other words, he needs companies to lay off their workers or even go under to cool down the labor market. So why don't we take an example? I mean, pick one. I don't know. Anybody have one? Hey, how about Ben Bath and Beyond? Take that one. Please. Bed Bath has tens of thousands of employees and not enough cash to pay them or the suppliers without aggressive capital raises that could really hurt the stock. So they are now selling stock at the market to raise cash. Stock, by the way, that they bought back at much higher prices. Isn't capitalism grand? Now, these guys know there are legions of ill-advised investors. The meme freaks or apes, as they call themselves, and they will keep buying the stock because they don't know anything. And the Bed Bath is selling it, it's selling the stock in order to crush the short, short sellers, which is all they really care about. Uh, that's the only thing propping this business up. I enjoy the battle, even as I think that most memesters proudly don't know how to read a balance sheet. Ignorance is so blissful with them. Don't you love it? From J-Pal's perspective, he uh, needs outfits like Medbath to fail. No more at-the-money sale of stocks. No more memesters popping things up. In fact, he wants pretty much anyone with a retail job to be worried that their employer might be the next failure. He needs the excess merchandise of Bedbath to flood the zone and cause a glut that will hurt the rest of the industry. Pal can't be this direct, though. But when he walks through the shopping mall, he wants to see not help wanted signs, but for red signs. And, you know, he wants, like, the craft paper they put, you know, in the malls when the store goes under. Or how about we'll build the suit? I always love that. Like, to suit what? I mean, I, I'm a 40 regular. Boy, that would sure signal the end of this madness, though. We should create a Potemkin mall and have him stroll through it. Now, as the son of a mother who sold lingerie, on, by the way, on the seventh floor at the defunct Lit Brothers, and a father who sold gabardines, that's a form of pants, at the failed Gimbals. I know how fragile these retail stores can be. You can get a real domino effect when one of these guys goes under. Same thing with restaurants. Pal needs a big one to, I don't know, about shrink, sink? I don't know. Of course, I can't think of a publicly traded restaurant that's as poorly run as Bed Bath & Beyond. That is the benchmark for mismanagement. Robbed only by, say, J.C. Penney. That said, there's nothing like one of these new vacant bed-bath locations to drag down a whole strip mall. It's the easiest way for Powell to beat inflation, even as the memesters may pull an AMC and keep bed-bath in business for longer than it deserves. Second thing that would help Powell beat inflation, even if he never can admit to it out loud, 
He needs a fintech to collapse, for heaven's sake. Ideally, one of them buy now, pay later places. You know, we call that, what do we call that? Buy now, don't pay, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so funny. Maybe one with a Bitcoin kicker. Talk about two birds with one stone. Hey, by the way, I got a lot of people came to me, and they're buying Golem and selling old Golem. Uh, they're doing an arbitrage. And Golem arbitrage. Anyway, those are names of, of cryptos. Anyway, these buy now, pay later companies think that they have the uh, ability to lend with impunity. And Pal needs that impunity to go away. Now, it may take a scandal before this can happen, or maybe it'll just take a spike of bad loans. But the reverberations would be enormous and, unfortunately, positive. These pseudo banks are a thorn in the side of the Fed. FinTech collapse. Hey, while we're at it, I'm sure Pal would love to see an end to the creation of new cryptocurrencies like the, the ones I just mentioned. They're often paired with transparent pump and dump schemes that the SEC seems to like. They're not doing much about it because they embody, I, I, caveat emptor, because they embody the kind of reckless gambling that's a telltale of a sign of an overheated economy. Financial thuggery, it must end. This is a no thuggery zone. Third, let's face it, Pal needs a chain of SPACs and non-public venture capital firms to go belly up. The former's already happening, but they're still pumping these things out. Some outfit SPAC this morning over at the NASDAQ, and I, I, I was like, SPAC! And I thought of P.T. Barnum immediately. Hey, that would be good, PTP. Um, we've had an endless job hopping in Silicon Valley. It's time for these startups to have down rounds or run out of funding entirely. That would be immense help to pal. Tailor-made, tailor-made, better, than, better with the ham. That's a Jersey thing. Fourth, Pal has to have some high-profile financiers run out of money, causing a chain reaction of fear that expensive trinkets from 148-foot yachts, which, by the way, have five bedrooms, to $5 million homes, because they suddenly will be worth less. Nothing like expensive stuff that can't sell to stir the pot of panic from everyone else who'll rush the exits. You won't be worried about the cost of rent once those dominoes fall. Don't forget, so much of this stuff has been bought with borrowed money that you'll see the banks pulling their horns and you won't be all that worried about lower loan growth. Finally, pals waiting for the pain from all the double ordering in this country to kick in. Back when we had the shortage all over the place, tons of companies double ordered important goods to ensure they'd have enough supply. Right now, for instance, the automakers are still scrambling for double order chips. But by the time they get those chips, potential car buyers will be too scared to buy or lease. Then the price in the car lot goes down and the price of the used car goes down. And the next thing you know, inflation subsides. I got a call the other day from someone who wanted to know why Taiwan semi-stock wasn't doing better given all the orders it has. I had to let him in on the reason. Semiconductor foundries are actually an awful business. That's why we stopped manufacturing chips in this country. I think you'll find out real soon when demand starts falling off why the foundries kept pumping, <laughs> keep pumping out new chips. Here's the bottom line. We're now in good news is bad news mode because the Fed's not going to stop bringing the pain until we see real deterioration. And this is my checklist, okay, in the economy. And a very different landscape from the mall to the store, to the house, to the yacht, and the car lots. It's all got to change. And as the late, great Sam Cooke assured us, change is going to come. Joe in New Jersey. Joe. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Thank you for taking my call. Quite welcome. Uh, I sold Canada Goose back in January on your recommendation and took some uh, nice profits. It's trading at around the mid $18 level a share. Uh, Can I buy it back at this level heading into the fall? No. 
No, not at all. I mean, not even a chance. Actually, I don't want anyone buying anything that has to do with clothes unless they're putting them on themselves. That's my new rule right here, right now. I just said it. If you're going to buy clothes, make sure you can wear them. Ba-dum-bum. Do I have time for another question? That's it? We're now in good news is bad news mode because the Fed's not going to stop bringing pain until we see real deterioration in the economy. As Sam Cook said, a change is going to come. Man, money tonight. You called in and you stopped me on what's go. So I'm turning in my homework on the HVAC company. You see if you create an enticing buying opportunity. Then I become a big believer in the rise of the liquefied natural gas exports. What's the best way to play this long-term trend that's really making money right now? I'm going to give you a few names that I'm watching. And CrowdStrike fell today after fantastic earnings. But is the move really justified? I'm going to get the latest from the company's top brass. So you stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Every now and then I'll get a call about a stock I either don't know or I haven't paid close enough attention to. And I always promise to take a closer look and then come back with a more concerted opinion. Now, given that these are the dog days of summer, I think this is the perfect time to catch up on some solid homework. Tonight, I've got one that could be real educational, one that a lot of people like I know. A little over a week ago, Audie in Virginia asked me about a company called Watsco, 
which sells heating, ventilation, and air conditioning equipment, along with related parts and supplies. On top of that, they also sell refrigerators, ductwork, insulation, thermostats, air quality products, and related tools. If you are bored, just, I don't even, go to, follow me on Twitter. You'll get a little excitement. Because I want you to understand this company, because it's interesting. Wasco is a well-run company with a lot going for it. Reminds me of Ferguson, the distributor of plumbing and heating products that we spoke to back in June. Wasco does the same thing just for HVAC equipment. But this is a classic case of a good house in what is an increasingly bad neighborhood. Right now, the angry Federal Reserve is in the process of aggressively raising rates in order to stamp out inflation, which we all want. When the Fed's tightening like this, the last thing you may want to do is have exposure to housing because it means mortgage rates are headed higher, as they have been, and sooner or later, residential real estate's going to roll over, as it hasn't yet, but will. The same is true to a lesser extent for commercial real estate. In short, no matter what Watsko's got going for it, you're taking your life into your hands if you bet on something housing-related at this point in the business cycle. Every textbook I've read since I've started has always said this is the wrong time, because everything comes down to your sector. That's just the way the game is played. I wish it weren't. Again, Watsko's a good company. In another environment, I'd be happy to recommend the stock. Look at it in a vacuum. I think the bull case here is pretty darn compelling. Watsko is the number one player. We like that in a highly fragmented industry, so we can do some consolidation. They're the top HVAC distributor by a wide margin. Watsko has the scale to negotiate better prices from its suppliers, and this make, also makes it easier for them to get their hands on product, something that's been important over the last couple of years given the widespread shortages in anything housing-related. The other benefit of Watsko's scale is that they've got an enormous installed base. They've already sold tons of HVAC equipment. Roughly 115 million units across North America. When I read this in the memo that Ben Stoto put together for me, I questioned whether that could even be true. And it is 115 million units. Those units need to be maintained when they break down. Contractors are most likely to go to Wasco for replacement parts. At the same time, Wasco's got terrific relationships with its suppliers, especially with one of my favorite companies, Carrier which accounts for roughly 60% of the company's total sales. You can think of this as, maybe it's like a carrier dealership. Two years ago, that was a huge positive. But now carrier stock's been hammered because everyone's worried about a Fed-mandated housing slowdown. I think carriers are buy because it's also a big winner from the new climate legislation that somehow is known as an inflation reduction plan. Again, at another point in the business cycle, this wouldn't have been easy. Watsco would be a terrific buy. You can see it in the stock's long-run performance. If you zoom out and look at this chart over the last 20 years, it is a thing of beauty. It doesn't hurt that the stock's got a 3.2% dividend yield, and it sure it looks relatively expensive here. Uh, trading at just 1,900 times this earnings, uh, earnings assessments. I, 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 19, let's put it this way. Wouldn't it have been better right here? That's the problem. Much lower than up there. I'd like to pay 14, 15 times for this. Man, timing is everything in this business, and the timing for Watsko is it's dead wrong right now. Like I said, best house, bad neighborhood. Watsko gets 80 to 85% of its sales from the residential real estate market, which is less than ideal, although only 10 to 15% of that is from new construction, which is okay because it's the used construction and used homes that are selling. The rest comes from repair work. So while Watsko will absolutely take a hit if the housing market rolls over, it's not like the whole business will collapse. Most of the money comes from either maintenance or new HVAC equipment for existing homes. But 10 to 15% exposure to new construction is still too much for me. Plus, you're likely, uh, less likely to replace your heater or air conditioner when the cost of a home equity loan keeps rising, even as it would be viewed as a capital, not a, let's say, repair business. You always want to figure out whether something's capital, uh, capital, meaning capital, meaning you're trying to improve something, 
or whether it's just something that's actually going to be, well, a deadweight loss, an expense, so to speak. And look, after a nice run over the past couple of years, Watsco's already starting to sputter. When the company reported its most recent quarter a little over a month ago, they delivered an outright top and bottom line miss. Revenue came in $50 million weaker than expected, and they only earned 493 Street was looking for 509 Not good. Now, you could argue that these were still good numbers on an absolute basis. Watsco still had 15% revenue growth, and the earnings were about 33% year over year. New record. This is not a business that's struggling, and maybe the expectations just got ahead of itself. The problem, though, is that Watsco gave you some grim comments about the future. Listen to this, and I'm quoting. Looking to 2023, Due to recent changes in monetary policy to curb inflation and the consequential slowdown in the economy, the company believes that North American HVAC slash R demand trends and other recent catalysts that have benefited performance will moderate toward more historical levels, end quote. Moderate is one of those verbs that I've taught you about that can be good or bad depending on the context. You're going to moderate your alcohol consumption? Good! Demand trends will moderate bad. Really the last thing you want to hear. So where do I come down on this Wasco? Look, if you've got a 10-year time horizon, as my writing partner, Matt Horween, has on this one, and you're looking for a long-term winner, you do have my blessing to gradually buy this one on the way down. Emphasis, please, on gradually. But if you care about the near-term, Wasco and other building companies are just off limits right now. Even if they have more exposure to renovations or repair work than new construction, these stocks trade as a group, and Wall Street loves collective punishment. Now you can try to fight the tape. Sure, but I wouldn't do it with Watsco. If the company were posting blowout results and saying bullish things about the future, it might be worth sticking your neck out. Given Watsco's cautious comments, though, I don't think it's worth the risk. I mean, maybe they're setting you up for a, you know, an under-promise uh, under over-deliver, but I think it's too risky. Here's the bottom line. As long as j is indeed on the war path, as I said over and over again, it's going to be real tough owning something like Watsco. Let me put it this way. The stock bottomed around 220 back in June when it bounced as Wall Street embraced the peak inflation thesis. It's now at 272. But the Fed just told us they're going to bring the pain regardless, which means Watsko may have to revisit those exact lows. So if you want to take a swing at it, how about, I, let's just say that's the level. That's the level for an entry point. Mad Money is back after the break. Coming up, some hump day fuel for thought. Kramer takes on the NatGas cohort next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Green Day. Sometimes we have to take notice, take stock. We've got to figure out what we do 
in a tough environment like this one, where whole sectors are becoming off limits because well, you can't afford to fight the Fed. I mean, this is kind of a moment where you want to step back. Step back from the market's day-to-day ups and downs. Focus on some longer-term secular themes that can't be destroyed by the Fed. These are big stories that will unfold over the course of not weeks or months or certainly the day, like CrowdStrike, but years, decades even. Stories that won't be impacted by the concern du jour. Put on your Warren Buffett hat. Stop thinking about Bed Bath & Beyond and start thinking about structural changes in the economy that can give you some long-term wins. For example, I'm a huge believer in the rise of liquefied natural gas exports from the United States to the rest of the world, especially Europe, where energy prices are currently insane thanks to their dependence on Russian fossil fuels. We've been following this story for ages, but every day where Russia continues to wreak havoc in Ukraine and threaten the rest of Europe with disruptions to the natural gas supplies, well, this secular theme just becomes an even bigger deal and can make you even more money. Although it takes a very long time to build one of these liquefied natural gas export terminals, you know, if you start one now, trying to get approval now, it's seven years before you're going to see any results. The opportunity is incredible. Right now, the price of natural gas in Europe is more than double year to date. It's up five-fold from last summer. Buying it here, compressing it into the liquid, then selling it over there can make you a fortune. Especially with Russia cracking down on exports in order to punish the rest of Europe for supporting Ukraine. Now, I know you like these. I've heard you. So let me highlight five LNG stocks that I like for the long haul. Not today, not tomorrow, but for the long haul. Because you're finally getting a chance to buy some of them into weakness right now because the market is so hateful and horrible. Let's start with two pure plays, Chenier Energy and and Tellurian. Now, we followed Chenier for a long time because they're the pioneer. Their first facility went operational in 2016, and the company's grown rapidly since then. We followed it long before that, though. Facilities both in Louisiana and Texas. In fact, in the first half of the year, these guys accounted for 11% of global liquefied natural gas volumes. 70% 70% of their cargo is headed for an energy star of Europe. You still all be Southeast Asia. You could argue that Chenier is doing more to fight Russian aggression than any defense contractor. You could say it's doing more than the United States government, frankly. Because Russia's best weapon is their ability to hold the West hostage. Energy hostage. Chenier is an enemy of that policy. Thanks to the European energy shortage, Chenier has been able to make a killing. Last year, they had $16 billion in revenues. They made $15.5 billion in just the first six months of this year. Fast bulk of that coming from higher prices. That's also translating into fabulous earnings. Chenier's on track to make $8.62 per share this year. That number expected to grow to $16 in 2023. I remember when Sharif Suki came here, he founded the company and talked about numbers that were a fraction of that. And I had to say, uh-uh, no way. Well, he was right. Of course, the stock's had a huge run-up, up 58% year-to-date. But if you believe Schneider can hit the estimates, then the stock remains pretty darn cheap, trading at just 10 times next year's earnings numbers. But some of that's because this is temporary, and the analysts expect the earnings to pull back to around 12 bucks in the following years, although it's still fairly cheap on that number, too. The bull case here is that these estimates for the at years turn out to be too low. Pretty likely, given how Europe's gotten religion on energy, they'd much rather buy from Schneider than buy from Putin. Plus, that's how I have to think about it. Plus, these guys keep adding more capacity. So even when prices come down, they'll be able to offset some of that with volume. How about Delorean? All right, little dollar number. You need to remember that Chenier was the brainchild of Suki, who got ousted in late 2015, right before the business really got rolling, at which point he turned around and founded Delorean. 
This thing is still, it's still extremely early stage right now. Remember, these facilities take forever to build. It's not expected to begin shipping liquefied natural gas until 2026. But they finally started building the first facility in Louisiana earlier this year. I like that. This makes Tillery inherently speculative, though. And they'll probably have to do more than one round of fundraising between now and 2026 to keep everything on track, maybe about three or four. But every day the Russian invasion of Ukraine continues and Ukraine's Iranians fret about where their energy is going to come from. That is the day that Tellurian's vision becomes more realistic. Last time we covered it was in April. It was a $6 stock. I told you to wait for a pullback. It is now under four, and I think that's the pullback. It's enticing, and I want you to buy it. Shabif is now the executive. He's the chairman. Um, what's, why don't you call it a call option on the entire industry? Next is one that is anything but a call option. It's just a steady-as-she-goes company that I have really come to like. It's called Sempra Energy which is a more of a diversified utility with liquefied natural gas export kicker. These guys have one operational export facility in Louisiana. They're working on a two-way facility in Baja, California. At the same time, Semper's an excellent utility, and they've also got a big natural gas pipeline business that connects our country with Mexico. Last month, there were some worries that the Mexican president wanted to nationalize the whole energy industry. But we spoke to Semper's CEO, Jeff Martin, right here, and he said they have a very good relationship with this guy. He's not worried about it. Stocks then has jumped 8%. We've got Semper in the bullpen for the Travel Trust, and you can just, look, you can join our club, the CMEC Investing Club. It will tell you, we send bulletins, that we're just waiting for a pullback to buy this one because they reported a great quarter, and this is the right time to own utility. Fourth, there's Accelerate Energy, very exciting play. Actually, a liquefied natural gas import business that came public in April and is actually cheap. It's the rare recent IPO that I can get behind. Accelerate, symbol EE, owns a fleet of ships that work as, as floating LNG import facilities. If you want to start importing this stuff, Accelerate's the cheapest and fastest way to do it. And, of course, you can store it, too. Now, the stock's been on a nice roll, but in recent weeks it's been clobbered, including a nasty 8% decline just yesterday, possibly because European regulators started talking about imposing price controls on natural gas. Still, Accelerate started making deals with European countries that desperately need energy. Even before that, they had 223% revenue growth in the second half. I mean, second quarter. But now you're basically getting that quarter for free. EE, I want you to think about that. The more speculative people, the younger people, EE, they're storing the net gas and their ships. Finally, let me give you one. Age doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's not age specific. It's called Enbridge, the Canadian pipeline place slash natural gas utility with a growing renewable energy business. I've liked Enbridge for ages, in large part because its bountiful dividend gives you a 6.3% yield. And that payout's really done safe. Well, this company's basically a toll road operator for energy. They've also got a number of irons in the fire for liquefied natural gas. Just over a month ago, Enbridge announced a partnership with Pacific Energy to build an LNG export terminal in British Columbia. Plus, the pipeline network transports a great deal of the gas that goes to other uh, people's export terminals. The rise of this subsector is terrific for their core business. It may take a long time to kick in, but Enbridge is paying it away with that 6.3% yield. Bottom line, when the market gets challenging, you want to use these moments of weakness in uh, non-Fed destructible stocks, right? We don't want the Fed destroying your place, your your stocks. Uh, You build a position in companies with exposure to powerful long-term themes like the rise of LNG. I think this will be one of the best stories of the next decade, regardless of what the Fed's doing right now or Putin's doing for that matter. Yes, Gabe in Michigan. Gabe. Hey, Jim. Appreciate all you do for us here at home. And and congratulations to your, your new home there in New York. Uh, don't you love it? It is so nice. I it just love, I like the blues and the reds. 
I, it does, I need to look thinner. It does not. It actually makes me look heavier. I'm debating <laughs> that. I had to point it, hey, I had to point it out. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Well, okay, my scenario. Uh, initiated position early 2020, uh, bought a number of shares in my uh, diversified portfolio that you so well taught me. So is it time uh, to hold or ring the register on uh, De- De- uh, Devon Energy? Well, we just did sell some. Um, and the reason we sold some is, is very simple. Bulls make money, bears make money, and hogs get slaughtered. And we will just crush this thing. So, but otherwise, I think it's great. We want room to be able to buy some if it comes back. All right. Use these moments of weakness to build a position with companies with exposure to long-term themes, like long-term themes in the energy space. Much longer, by the way, than Devin. Much more mid money had. Could he might with CrowdStrike? After earnings, does a cybersecurity company have what it takes to defend itself from the tech bears on Wall Street? I'm not sure. Let's check in with the CEO. And speaking of tech, what the heck happened to the safe haven in recession-resistant tech? I'm going to take a closer look at the space. And Oil calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Another great quarter from CrowdStrike, the cloud native cybersecurity outfit. Yeah, nobody cared. Stocks actually dropped more than 10 bucks or 5.5%. Maybe people are spoiled by their greatness. What went wrong? Honestly, nothing. CrowdStrike delivered a comfortable top and bottom line beat with management providing much better than expected guidance for the current quarter and even raising their full year forecast rather dramatically. If you want to spin your wheels and look for a problem, their free cash flow missed by less than $2 million. I think that's a fool iron. I like their free cash flow number. The real problem is much more straightforward, though. Uh, CloudStrike is an excellent company, but it's also got a super expensive stock and a market that's willing, let's say, to not pay up for anything that's super expensive, even if it's great. Could uh, cybersecurity finally be going out of style, the Wall Street fashion show, even if the fundamentals are just fine? I don't think so. Still, I think it is worth staying close to this story. So let's check in with George Kurtz. He's the co-founder, president and CEO of CrowdStrike. Get a better read on the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Kurtz, welcome back to Mad Money. Great to be here. All right, so George, I got to tell you, I mean, I was listening to the call. I decided I don't like to look at a stock price when I am interviewing a guest I respect. I just listen to the call, make my own judgment. I figured your stock would be up 10 to 15 bucks. And the reason I say that is because this is about a flawless of quarters I've seen. You've got more and more customers doing more and more business. When you kind of think about what happened, and I know you love your team, was your team, were you kind of shocked that the stock was actually down? Well, I think, as you put it, Jim, in today's market, uh, you know, you, you, you really can't tell. Obviously, it was a flawless quarter. Uh, if you look at the growth, uh, it's amazing. Two billion dollars of annual recurring revenue. We believe that's the second fastest company to ever reach that that milestone. And uh, overall, we've got customers that are delighted with the product. So it's hard for us to get distracted on a quarter to quarter basis of where the stock price goes. And I think over the long term, we have a great opportunity to continue to consolidate uh, in this market as you have a challenging macro backdrop. And, and that's really what we're going to focus what I, on. I found amazing, George, is there are outfits that I thought would have definitely already had a big strategy. And, then you, and they're still just debating it and getting it. New York State. I live in New York State. I was shocked. They didn't seem to have much of a strategy until they came to you at all. Well, look, they, they've been a great customer, and I think when you look at our ability to consolidate in uh, state and local governments as well as the federal government, it, it does represent a great opportunity. And I think uh, it's such an important topic of making sure that we, we keep our country and our city state and our states uh, secure as well. 
that uh, the, the, these organizations are turning the crowd strike uh, because we've got the best technology and we're focused on stopping breaches and, and reducing their overall costs, which is incredibly important in today's time. Now, speaking of costs, uh, we hear endlessly that the best people are almost too expensive these days. Uh, how are you getting your people? Where are they coming from? And can you keep them? Well, we had a great hiring quarter. We continue to, uh, to hit our, t- our hiring plans, which is really important. And again, as you've seen other companies struggle, other companies go through layoffs, we think it's an opportunity to add great talent to the CrowdStrike team. And uh, since I started the company, it's really been a focus on people and our, and our customers and delivering the right value to them. And I think, you know, we continue to win uh, awards across uh, various uh, organizations in terms of our people and our culture. And uh, I think the fact that we're mission focused is really important in times like this. Our folks are focused on stopping breaches for customers and providing the best outcome from a security perspective. And I think that's what gets them up and excited about uh, CrowdStrike. And obviously, uh, we're growing fast and doing well as a company. Now, you're also growing into areas that I, when I first started interviewing, I think you're, you have something like, I don't know, 17 straight quarters, you beat the numbers. I don't know if anybody has that record. Uh, it does seem that this identity protection business, look, you know we have Okta on all the time, but I, I, I get you could partner with Okta, but it looks like you're doing it yourself pretty well. Well, you have to look at what we do versus others. You know, other companies are kind of focused on the single sign-on piece, and, and what we're focused on is the protecting the, the identity of its endpoints and workloads. And a lot of times what you see is somebody may get access to a, an environment. Uh, it's almost like going into a house. They get access to the house, and then they can roam around the rooms. Well, we protect those rooms, and we make sure they are who they say they are. And 80% of the breaches that you hear about are actually identity-based. So our solution is very unique in the marketplace. We use a single agent. It's very easy to deploy. And it's one of the fastest growing modules that we've ever introduced. And we see it as a real key pillar uh, to our module strategy and protecting customers. We're really excited about the identity module. We all think about uh, businesses that are supposed to be recession resistant or recession proof. I, I have to tell you, when I went listened to you speak last night, I, I think that you and I'm going to throw in Palo Alto because, you know, I like those guys really have businesses that have nothing to do with the economy whatsoever and have everything to do with the survival of a business. But that's about it. You guys really do own, you work in in an area where I I think that if the economy were to go down even two, three, four percent, it wouldn't matter. Jim, you heard me say this time and time again, it's really the number one uh, risk that any board is dealing with is cyber. And uh, it's super important not only to protect the business, it's, it's really a topic called business resiliency. It's more than just having a computer that's infected. Uh, it's, it's talking about a systemic risk of a, a business going down if they can't operate with things like ransomware. Uh, the other thing to point out, too, is there's so many uh, regulations and uh, different guidelines that state, local, and federal governments, not only in the U.S., but around the globe, are putting out that you have to be in compliance with these. You can't operate. So a lot of this isn't an optional spend. You have to do it to keep the, the enterprise secure, and you have to do it to be in compliance to a lot of these regulations that are uh, in the marketplace today. Well, I want to congratulate you. I do hope people who buy the stock or who own the stock recognize that when you listened to this quarter last night on the conference call, you would say, you know what, I've got to own this long term, even if it doesn't pass today's test of being down 10. That's George Kurtz, CrowdStrike co-founder, President CEO. George, great to have you on the show again. Great to be back, Jim. Thank you. All right, man. Money's back after the break. 
Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. And then the light round's over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the light round. Let's start with, oh, I say we should start with Brendan in Massachusetts. Brendan! Booyah, Jim! Booyah, Brendan. Jim, what are you looking for to change your mind on canoe? Go EV. Uh, profits. And that would really go a long way. If I saw profits, I would say go Eagles instead of go EV, which is what I'm saying. Let's go to Tom in Big Missouri. Tom. Hey, Jim, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. I'm a big of fan course. of the show. Uh, thank you, buddy. Hey. Thanks a lot. Yeah, of course. Uh, hey, um, listen, uh, my question's in the oil space. I know you like Devin a lot, but my question is about um, APA Corporation, uh, the old patch. Oh, I like Apache. I think the old Apache, I think it's got a lot of natural gas. I can't believe that management has stuck it out. Good for them. Let's go to Dan in Pennsylvania. Dan! Jimmy, it's a Lehigh Valley booyah to you. Oh, Salkin Valley booyah right back at you. What's up? With the declining price of commodities, is Freeport McMoran a good buy? I'm sick of Freeport McMoran. That stock is a roller coaster. Uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not the will of growth. This isn't Dorney. I mean, this isn't like whatever. Uh, you know, six flags. Let's get real. I need to go to Elliott, New York. Elliott. Hi, Jim. This is Elliott, Boston, New York. Hey, man, what's going on? Brad Jacobs was recently on your show. He's now executive chairman, founder, former CEO of GXO and XPO. He recently filed a form, a form four, and sold 5.2 million shares for 249 million. He remains with about a million one, a million seven shares worth about 82 million. He did a similar That's sale for uh, XPO. Why I don't I- like that. I don't like that. I mean, you know, look, I love Brad. That's a lot of money. I, you know, everybody likes money. Money's good. I mean, I'm not looking at money's good. I'm looking at my team and money's good. But you know what? I mean, you got a stock that's added slow, and uh, I, I wish that hadn't happened. I, I think the business will only will out. No one ever wants to be criticized for anything. Like, I don't like it. Like, my wife criticized me earlier today for something involving a, tra- a plane reservation. I didn't like it. So I'm sorry, Brad. I mean, you don't like that. I didn't like the right. Nobody likes them. No one ever likes to be criticized. But I think that's a shame. And so therefore, I say I like GXO Logistics, but I don't like that. And I'm sorry that I don't like it. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going into council, council therapy with Brad Jacobs about that. I'm not. OK, let's go to uh, Mickey in Massachusetts. Mickey. Hi, Jim. It's Mickey in Massachusetts. I'm a, long-time list- I'm a longtime listener and a second-time caller. My husband oh. is a club member. Yes! Go ahead. And my question is, CVS, do I buy? Oh, my. I just saw that they're going to authorize those new shots. I went to CVS to get mine. I think everybody should go to CVS. It does a terrific good job. And I think that stock is a buy, buy, buy and a buy. Um, how about we go to Howard in Arizona? Howard. Uh, Kramer, first, I've been a listener since day one of Mad Money. Just wanted you to know that. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, this, yeah, it's the best. Uh, this company uh, captures and converts methane into biofuel, and they are profitable, just like you like. The company is Montauk. And- 
Yeah, when I first heard of these guys, I said, geez, you're they're past Amagansett. It takes too long to get to. But it turns out they're from Pennsylvania, and it's a winner, and I agree. I like it. And now they're Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, is recession proof a thing of the past? Kramer hunts for good news in the tech space. Next. They're coming for the tech refuges, the sanctuaries, and it is just plain ugly out there. The House of Pain. For the longest time, we thought some segments of tech were more or less recession-proof, or at least resistant. We believe cell phones would always have customers. Who doesn't need a new phone every year? Each new iteration is more compelling than the last. People get them every couple, two, three years, so you figure, always a market. But then China went all in on its zero COVID policy, shutting down vast swaths of its economy which crushed demand for new phones. Next thing you know, the biggest cell phone market takes it on the chin. Bad news for component makers. I'm talking about companies like Skyworks, Corvo, and Qualcomm, which the Chapel Trust owns. Uh, we talk about it all the time uh, at, at the club. I mean, this is a great company, but remember, what can I say? Even though it has a burgeoning auto business, it doesn't matter. That was the end of cell phones as a sanctuary. <laughs> then there's the personal computer. They were being sold at unheard of levels not that long ago because when people started working from home, they needed a better PC. Now everyone's got one. That's right. They've all upgraded. As we heard from HP last night, you don't need another one anytime soon. In fact, you're even seeing a slacking of demand from the enterprise PC market. Remember video games is a secular growth story? We played them like crazy until the vaccines took hold, at which point people felt safe going out and doing things again, and Wall Street turned against them as pandemic play. Personal computers, gaming, three formerly recession-resistant subgroups, all obliterated. If we can stop there. Next, they came for the digitizers. We always heard that digitization was relentless, unstoppable. You had to go digital, embrace the cloud, or die, because everyone else was doing it. But the environment suddenly grew tougher. And now we're hearing that digitization won't be implemented as fast as we thought. Sales sectors were becoming elongated. A combination of the strong dollar and economic jitters has crushed stocks like, like Adobe, like, like ServiceNow, like Salesforce. Even as the underlying companies still have decent growth and are great businesses that are profitable. Of course, that still left the data center. But now we're beginning to hear about chinks in the data center armor. I listened to Marvell Tech, the chip maker last week, it has a big data center component, and they had nothing bad to say, but they missed a small number. I think it was because of a supply problem, not demand. Didn't matter. Even as AMD had no problems, Intel just dropped the bomb on the group. Didn't matter that Microsoft's Azure, that's their web business, Amazon Web Services are, say, we think they're doing well. The slowdown in the suppliers to the cloud high-boshed the cloud providers themselves. The house of pain. Big address. Then today, we got the final straw as far as I was concerned. Cybersecurity. Holy cow. As you heard earlier, CrowdStrike. We had him on. George Kurtz. I, I, I Honestly, I thought it was fantastic. He had nothing bad to say whatsoever, except for some sort of boilerplate about a, a possible slowing of the economy. It's really tanks. You know, everything else is fantastic. Just like Palo Alto. But it didn't matter. Too late. 
nothing good. Down 10 points. And with that, we've burned through every sanctuary in tech. That's the bad news. The good news, if anything positive occurs at all, you will get a nice bounce, if not a definitive move higher. Sure enough, this morning we heard, say, from Snap, the beleaguered social media play, they said recent ad trends were looking up. In response, the Internet stocks caught fire. And fire can spread, I'd say, to even one or more piece of good news. Well, who knows? I mean, even meta platforms, which by this time probably wishes it could change its name back to Facebook when the stock used to go up all the time, that actually rallied. I, I, I also heard a weather point. Hell caught some snow today. But you've got to be patient. These tech product cycles always end one sector at a time. They all roll over. And when are they done? When there are no refuges, no sanctuaries, which is exactly where we are now. And that's usually where the buying begins. Just be careful to buy them slowly on the way down and have the market be maximum oversold. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.